Thank you, praise team, for leading us this morning. We appreciate you so much. I want you to open up your Bible with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Do you have your Bible today? Did you bring it to church? Open it up. Turn on your smartphone or your tablet to the Bible app and, uh, and follow along with us there. We will be spending the next uh, few weeks here in John chapter 15. And we're going to uh, be talking on the subject of fruitful, being fruitful in today's message title is Abide in Me, because Jesus said uh, for his disciples, he commanded them to abide in him. And this passage occurs in the upper room discourse of John's gospel. Now, this is a, a lengthy uh, section of John's gospel. It takes up about a third of the gospel of John. And so John spends a lot of time in one evening recording what Jesus said in one evening uh, the night before he was, uh, the night that he was betrayed in the upper room with the disciples. And so this is where this takes place. And Jesus is teaching his disciples about how to remain in him and how to abide in him so that in order that they may be fruitful. God wants all of us to be fruitful for him. So what is fruitful? What does it mean to be fruitful? What is fruitfulness? Uh, the way the Bible tells us about what fruit is, it, 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 we can kind of boil it down to this statement. The ongoing development of a Christ-like character which produces Christ-like conduct in a believer's life. So if you think about it, it, it's, it says the more that you are like Christ, the more that you spend time with Christ, the more you will do for Christ. So if there's a problem with the the behavior and the conduct in your Christian life, if you're not bearing fruit in the area of your conduct, the problem is that you're not spending time with Christ. You're not being like Christ in the secret place so that you can be fruitful in public. And so here's the thing for all of us, if we, you like making resolutions and all of those sorts of things, if you like doing all of that, then make this your number one resolution. That you will bear fruit for the kingdom of Jesus Christ during 2023. That's what he wants all of us to do. But here's the truth. You'll only bear fruit for Christ when you are abiding in Christ. Let me say it again. You'll only bear fruit for Christ when you are abiding in Christ. Amen. Well, Why don't we stand together and we're going to read the first eight verses of John 15. Read, follow along in your copy of God's word as I read. Jesus said, <clears throat> I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Everybody say much. Much. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, everybody say nothing. Nothing. If 
anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let us pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to be called your sons and your daughters. Lord, that you have a purpose for us as we walk upon this earth, and that is to bear fruit for you. And so, Lord, we, we seek in our hearts, Lord, your kingdom first, so that we might be fruitful here as we walk on this earth. Father, for those, of the, those around us, Lord, that don't know you, they need to see you living in us. They need to see the fruit of your spirit abiding in us. And Father, I pray that your church would bear fruit in 2023, that we would be the kingdom church that you want us to be. Father, that each and every member of this church, every person listening under the sound of my voice, Lord, would accept their God-given responsibility to do good works for you and for your kingdom. And no one, Lord, would be fruitless, but we would all take on the character of Christ and thereby the conduct of Christ in everything that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So there's three, there's three aspects to this that I want us to see this morning from Jesus's uh, extended metaphor or parable about the vine and how he identifies himself as the true vine. Number one, Jesus is the vine. Now that's simple. We see it from the text. But let's dig into what it means. Jesus identified himself not just as the vine, but as the true vine. And this is an interesting identification because the vine, for any student of the Old Testament, they understood that the vine referred to Israel. In fact, even in the first century, they had a picture of a grapevine printed on their coinage in Israel. And so they knew that that was a symbol for the nation of Israel. It was also used as a picture of the nation in Psalm 80. So it's a biblical picture. Psalm 80 verses 8 through 11. The Bible says you brought a vine out of Egypt. Now who brought the vine? God brought the vine. We say Moses led the people out of Egypt. But that's not exactly true, is it? Moses didn't lead the people out of Egypt. Who did? God did. God did. The pillar of fire and the pillar of, uh, of uh, smoke during the day led the people out of Egypt. And so God brought a vine out of Egypt. Who's the vine in that picture? Well, the children of Israel are the vine in that picture. You drove out the nations and planted it. So God drove out the nations out of where? Well, the land of Canaan, which became the land of Israel. And God drove the people out of there and planted his people there. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. That's a picture of the the children of Israel filling the land of Israel. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its roots, it shoots to the river, to the river. Excuse me. And so this picture is the people of Israel. Well, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, what is he saying? He's saying he is the true Israelite. He is the one true Israelite. Now, what does that mean? What it really means essentially is that there's no other Israelite like Jesus, he is the one and only true son of Abraham. He's the one and only true son of Adam that was born, lived a sinless life, 
and died a sinner's death on the cross for you and me. Jesus is the true vine. When we think about vine then, well, what is he talking about? I mean, some of us, most of us, when we have that image, that imagery in our mind of a vine, we think about uh, uh, those little uh, things that grow on the chain link fence. And, you know, right back here by the, uh, not this, I'm going to get to that in just a second. But right back here on the fence, uh, I, spent, I spent several days, just uh, not the whole days, but, you know, hours of a couple of different days, pulling vines off of that chain link fence. And those, those vines were so heavy that they were pulling the fence down. Those little squiggly things that grow up on walls and up on different places. If you let your garden go, they kind of grow up in the garden. You know what I'm talking about? Those aren't the vine that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about something very different. I had the privilege of, in 2010 of going to the land of Israel. And I remember as I was driving through the countryside, the Judean countryside, Looking out the window on both sides of the, of the vehicle that we were in, there was miles and miles of vineyards. And every one of those vineyards were rows of vines. And those vines were more like a stump or, or a, 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 a tree trunk that grew up kind of short. And they had about, uh, about chest high all across the fields. They would have runners down those fields where... The vine could grow up. You've ever been to a vineyard? You know what it looks like? And that's what I saw. And I can imagine that Jesus and his disciples were walking through those vineyards as they did ministry. And Jesus used many examples about being fruitful and about the, the, uh, the bearing of fruit. And, and so this passage, whenever Jesus shares about himself as the vine, he's got this image in mind. This root, this stump, this trunk of a, of a vine. And whenever I was uh, younger, we had a wisteria vine. Anybody have a wisteria vine? We had a wisteria vine that grew up in our yard, and uh, we cultivated it. Now, this is not the one that we had. The one that we had was much bigger than this. Uh, but, but this picture just gives you an idea of what it looked like. It's beautiful. It almost looks like grape clusters hanging off of the wisteria but it's the same shape, and it's related uh, to a grapevine. But if you think about that, that trunk there that goes down in the ground, that's what Jesus identifies himself as. He says, I am the vine, and I am the true vine. Now, here's another thing. Look at verse 5 with me again. Jesus repeats it, and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches need the vine to survive. It's not the other way around. Jesus doesn't need us. We need Jesus each and every day. And in fact, he goes on to say that without him, we can do nothing. We need Jesus to do anything. And now skip down with me to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus supplies everything that we need to accomplish God's will for our lives. That's what it means for Jesus to call himself the vine. He says, I am everything that you need. What does, the, what does the branch truly need? The only thing it really needs is the vine. And if it has the vine, it can survive. The vine provides water and nutrients. And Jesus said, whatever you ask. 
But notice that the whatever in verse 7 is predicated on a little bit smaller word at the beginning. What's that word? He says, everybody say it with me. If. If what? If you abide in me. In other words, if you know the vine and if you are connected to the vine, you can ask whatever you wish. And then he goes on to say, if my words abide in you, meaning if God's word is in you, whenever you pray and you ask for whatever you want, guess what you'll pray? You'll pray the word of God. You'll pray what he desires. And so when you do that, the Bible says you have this promise. Not only is Jesus everything you need, when you pray in Jesus' name, you will have whatever you ask. And it's a promise. And some of us, we look back on 2022 and we think, I wasn't as fruitful as I should be. The simple solution is to get in the Word, and God's Word will get into you, and you will be abiding in the vine, and you will have whatever you ask. 2023 do you want to be fruitful is that your desire to bear fruit for the kingdom that's what he wants for you and me Jesus is the vine but I want to tell you secondly the father is the vine dresser now some of your translations may say gardener but literally the word is vine dresser it's the one who goes into the vineyard to keep the vineyard and that's what the that's who the father is. Now look at verse 15 at verse 1 of chapter 15 again. Jesus said, "I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser." Now Jesus is going to tell us what the vine dresser does. He's going to give us three things that the vine dresser does and then he's going to tell us what the vine dresser desires. So look at what he does first. It says in verse 2, "Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away." Now what does that mean? Now, some people have said uh, mistranslated and misinterpreted uh, this passage to mean that Jesus takes people out. In other words, if you don't bear fruit, he's going to kill you. Or another way that people spiritualize this and say, well, if you don't bear fruit, then you'll lose your salvation. Both of those two things are erroneous. Now, look at what the Word says again. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That word, take away or lift up, there is used some hundred times in the New Testament. And, and the majority of the time, that word literally means that that person or that thing is being lifted up off of the ground. Now, doesn't that give you a different picture whenever you think about vines? And that same wisteria plant that we used to have, guess what would happen? Is It, it would start to, the, uh, the vines, would, the uh, branches would start to grow down and get down into the dirt and start growing along the ground. And they'd get covered up with leaves and dirt and they'd, be get, they'd get cut by the lawnmower and all of those things. And those branches would be fruitless. They wouldn't have any flowers on them. The same is true for a vine in a vineyard. If that, those branches go down to the ground, they're not going to bear any fruit. My grandmother, she had uh, a beautiful, uh, just beautiful muscadine patch, a muscadine vine in her uh, backyard. And they had a trellis that they had built, that my grandfather had built with four corners. And, and a, all of those vines would just hang down. And that you'd be able to walk under that trellis and just walk under there and 
pick clusters of muscadines off of that, that vine. It was wonderful. I mean, we'd just make ourselves sick eating muscadines at her house. But that's the picture that the vine dresser, what he does is he, he lifts up those branches that aren't bearing fruit. That's the picture. Now, some of your translations say cut off, but that's not what the word means. The word doesn't mean cut off or throw away or anything like that. The word means lift up, lift up off the ground. In fact, that's the word that Paul uses when he says Jesus is going to come back. And what he's going to do is there's going to be a a trumpet sound and Jesus is going to lift us up off of the earth. Amen. That's called the rapture. It's coming one day. And that's the same word. And so this is what Jesus does. For somebody who's not bearing fruit, what does Jesus want to do for you? Does He want to toss you out with the trash? Absolutely not. If you belong to Him, He's never going to throw you away. What He wants to do is pick you up, lift you up so you can bear fruit. And that's the ministry of His Holy Spirit every day in your life. He's picking you up, lifting you up. Now, it's not always fun because sometimes when you get down in the dirt, Jesus has got to clean you up. Sometimes when you get down there and you're not bearing fruit, Jesus has got to shape you up. And He's going to take some time to work on you. He's going to scrub you and get you clean. And that's what Jesus wants to do with you if you're not bearing fruit. And it's not a fun process all the time. David said, wash me with hyssop and I shall be white as snow. And David knew that sin had made him dirty. And he needed the Lord to lift him back up. Pick him back up. And that's what the Lord does for everyone. He takes away the word aro. It means that he lifts up from the ground. The second thing that he does is he cuts away. Now, what does he cut? Now, we already said he doesn't cut the branches away, does he? Not not the branches, but what does he do? He cuts the, the, the leaves and the old stuff. He cuts that off just like... A gardener would go in and prune, or a vine dresser would go in and prune. Because grapes grow on new growth. The job of the gardener is to prune away on a regular basis that old growth. The removal of the old allows the new to grow. And it was a necessary process for the production of fruit. Some of you are still holding on to last season's fruit, thinking that that is fruitfulness in your life. What we did back then, what we did last year, what we did five years ago, and what we did ten years ago, and what, the way it used to be. And you're still holding on to that. But listen, as long as you still hold on to that and you don't allow the Lord to prune that, that is never going to grow again. The Lord is doing new work each and every day. New, new work here And now, today, and He wants you to participate in it and be fruitful right where you are. What the Lord did 30 years ago cannot sustain you today. That's the lesson that He taught the children of Israel in the wilderness. He told them, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And how did He do it? He put manna on the ground. Rained it down from heaven. He told them to gather up what was needed for the day. The only day that they could gather more than what they needed was on Friday so that they wouldn't have to gather on Saturday, on the Sabbath. 
The Bible says that if they gathered up yesterday's manna and saved it for today, that when they opened up their jars to get out yesterday's manna, it was rotten and full of worms. And some of us aren't fruitful because we're still living off of yesterday's manna. And we're not walking with Jesus today. And He wants you to be walking with Him. And so what does He do? Well, He prunes. Vines that don't get pruned produce leaves. They produce all kinds of things that aren't what the Lord wants. All kinds of other things besides fruit. In the summertime, Allison's tomato plants get what she calls suckers on them. You ever seen a sucker? They're fruitless little twigs that come off the side of the plant. And all they do is produce leaves. They never will bear fruit. So what does she do? She clips them off. And this is a picture of a Christian who's just too busy doing good things, but isn't focused on God things. The things that God wants them to do. The enemy of the right thing is not a wrong thing. The enemy of the God thing is not a wrong thing. It's a good thing. But something God hasn't called you to do. And so God most often prunes us in, this area, in these areas. He prunes us in the area of people. The people that are in our lives. It doesn't mean that He prunes people. I don't mean that. What I mean is He prunes people from your life. He moves you away from situations, relationships, where people are influencing you in a negative way. How do you know if somebody needs to be pruned from your life? If they are influencing you to evil rather than you influencing them to good, then you know they need to be pruned. You need to walk away from those relationships. And then secondly, in possession, sometimes God just takes stuff away from you. He takes activities away from you. He takes different uh, things that you love to do, like to do, want to do. He'll take them right out of your life. So that you can have time to focus on Him. And then priorities. We think about priorities. How, we should, how should a Christian order their priorities? Well, God first. Right? Family second. And then everything else. And when you get those things out of order, when you put work before family, I heard somebody on the radio even this morning saying that many men in this country spend more time working on their lawns than they do working on their marriages. And that's why marriages in the U.S. are failing. It's because we just, men, we just don't take time to focus on our family. And we need to do that. And so God will prune us in these areas because why does He prune us? What is His purpose in pruning? Is it to hurt us? Is it to take what we want away from us? Is it to keep us from a good thing? No, the thing is God wants us to be fruitful. So He'll remove a good thing from our life so that we can have the God thing that He really wants. And we need to accept the pruning of God. As the provision of God. As the love of God. We just saying God really loves us. Can you say that when you're being pruned? When you're undergoing the discipline of God? And He's lifting you up and He's pruning you? Can you say God really loves us? Absolutely He loves us. And so He takes away and He cuts away because He loves us. But I'll tell you lastly, God does throw away. Now what, what does He throw away? Well, I want you to look a little bit further down uh, in the passage. 
He says in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me. Now, notice what he said at the beginning. He said, any branch in me. Who is a branch in Christ? Well, that person is a Christian. But then he says, anyone who does not abide in me. He's talking about someone who's not a Christian. Anyone who's not a Christian, anyone who does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Not too far from where the, the, uh, the trellis was with all of the muscadines on it. Just a little, little piece from that. My grandmother had a, and my grandfather had a very large blueberry patch. And I spent uh, a week every summer for several years, I spent it in that blueberry patch picking blueberries and, and pruning and clearing and cleaning. One of the most important jobs that we had there because of the rich soil that was there underneath those blueberries, we had some of the most beautiful blueberry bushes and, and produced some blueberries, I mean, just that were quarter-sized blueberries, ripe blueberries, make ourselves sick eating them. Between those and the muscadines, we ate till we were about to pop. We were supposed to be picking my grandmother would be out there picking blueberries and she'd have a gallon and she'd have another gallon and we'd be still working on the bottom of that first gallon trying to get blueberries because we ate so many blueberries. But because of that same rich soil, there's weeds really like that soil as well and they grew very well in that soil. And so we were constantly pulling briars and pulling um, weeds out of there trying to get rid of them and pull them out. We, I mean, there was one, one year we pulled up so many, we had a heap of weeds that was this tall. And guess what we did to it? We threw all those weeds together, all those uh, branches that did not abide in the blueberry bushes. We piled them up and we burned them. And Jesus says, this is what it will be like on the day of judgment for those who do not abide in Christ. Those who do not have a relationship with Him. They've never put their faith and trust in Jesus as the Savior. In this same context, just on the other side of my page, Jesus has a discussion with Thomas. And Jesus tells Thomas, I'm going away. And where I'm going, you can't go. But later you will go. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one goes to the Father except what? Through me. And so those of us who have heard the words of Jesus, we've repented of our sin and we put our faith in the atoning death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the Bible says we will go to a place of blessing and reward on that final day. But for those of us who do not know Him, they've never put their faith in Jesus, the only way, they're headed to somewhere else. The Bible says that they're headed to a place called the Lake of Fire. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the Lake of Fire. So what does he desire? 
We've seen what he does, but what does he desire? What does the vine dresser desire? He wants us, first and foremost, to abide in Christ. What does that mean? Put your faith in Christ and keep it there. That's what it really amounts to. Put your faith in Christ and keep it there. And if anyone does not do that, he is like a branch that is thrown away and it withers and the branches are gathered and it's thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. So he wants us to abide in Christ and he wants us to bear fruit. Much fruit. And what a privilege we have because as we bear fruit, we are glorifying God and God is glorifying Himself through us and we get to be a part of that. As you're bearing fruit for the kingdom. You notice that in the very beginning, whenever God put Adam and Eve on the earth and He blessed them. Remember He said He blessed them. What did He say to them? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And some of us think that those two things are synonymous. He just means go make babies. But that's not what he means. He means two things. He does mean, yes, multiply. But to be fruitful and multiply means that there's a, a difference in those two things. Or God would have just said, go multiply. And that's what he told the rabbits, and they listened. Go multiply. But he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful. Listen to me. It's a command and it's a foundational command to bear fruit for God. To do things for God because you're walking with God. Now that's foundational for Adam and Eve. And it's foundational for you and me as well. It's a commandment. It's what he desires from you and from me. So if we're not bearing fruit, then we're not being faithful. He wants you to. Titus 3 and verse 14, Paul says, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. So there's a devotion there. There's a choice that has to be made. So as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. There's a warning. And then, and then Peter says the same thing in 2 Peter 1.8. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, remember the character of Christ that produces the conduct of Christ in your life, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what does he desire? What does he really want from you? He wants you to bear fruit. And so we see Jesus is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. But lastly, we are the branches. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Let's just pause there for just a second. I mean, have you ever walked out? Some of you you said you've been to a vineyard. You ever walked out in the vineyard and and you could just listen and you could just hear really closely. You could hear those those grape branches going, "Mm," just, just grunting and squeezing and just in anguish, trying to squeeze out grapefruit, grapes. 
You ever heard them just trying their best just to squeeze out some grapes? And then eventually, I mean, one just squeezes it hard enough and then just poop. There's a grape cluster. Some of us believe that this is the way the Christian life should work. Like you just, you get, you get really serious about it and you try really, really hard and then all of a sudden there'll be fruit in your life. But that's not the way it works. The only thing that that branch needs to do in order to bear fruit is to stay connected. Now, staying connected, is, is, that is part of it. That's what it needs to do. But if that branch is connected and yet it begins to go down into the dirt, it needs to be redirected. So here's the two things that we need to bear fruit. The branches need, that you need, that I need. We need connection and we need direction. The trellis that God puts in your life is His Word. And it gives us direction every day through His Spirit. And so each and every day, this is what you need to bear fruit in 2023. It's just simple. You need to get into the Word and into prayer every single day. And I know we keep going back to the same thing over and over again. And you hear it over and over again. But folks, it isn't a magical formula. It's just simple Christian living. That you spend time with Jesus in prayer and in the Word every single day. And if you don't, you won't be fruitful. What did Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And so I'm calling on you, men. To renew your commitment to be in the Word every single day. And to be in prayer every single day of 2023. I mean, and listen, there's so many useful tools and resources out there. You could just, I mean, all you got to do is just basically walk through a Christian bookstore and trip and fall and whatever you fall on, just take it home with you. And you will grow. There's so many resources out there. And if, you, if you're at a loss and you can't find resources so that you can stay in the Word, just come and talk to me. And I'll be glad to help you do that. But branches need connection and they need directions. Why? Because branches exist to bear fruit. That's the only reason you exist as a Christian. Otherwise, if God didn't care about whether you, where you bore, bore fruit and He just wanted you to get saved and to sit and to soak and sour and all of that here in the church... He would have taken you to heaven a long time ago. Because why make you stay here and suffer as a Christian? The only reason you're here on this earth is so you can bear fruit for the kingdom. That's it. And I am convinced that your fruitfulness here on this earth is directly tied to your rewards in heaven. So if you're bearing fruit for the kingdom here on this earth, you are building a house in heaven for yourself when you get there. But if you're not bearing fruit here on this earth, you can't expect to get there and have that reward. And so branches must stay connected to the vine or they die. Branches naturally bear fruit when they are connected to the vine. And branches need connection and direction. And here's the last point I want to make with you this morning. If we are faithful, God will make us fruitful. 
If you stay connected, that's what it really boils down to. What does Jesus say? Abide in me and I in you. That's what he says. And he says, if we abide in him, we will bear not just fruit, but he says we will bear much fruit. I want you to say that with me. If we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. Remember, that initial connection to the vine happens whenever you put your faith in Christ. You connect yourself to Him. You put your trust in Him. I wonder, have you ever done that? You'll never bear fruit. You'll spin your wheels. You'll have a life that ultimately has no purpose except to display the wrath of God for eternity. And that's never the life that God intended for you. God never intended you for you to go to hell. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want to share with you this, this simple prayer. If you're saying, I want to come to Christ this morning. I want to be fruitful. I want to have a life of purpose and meaning. And it begins by saying, and acknowledging that you are a sinner and Christ is the Savior. Confessing your sin and repenting of your sin, but then turning and putting your faith in Jesus to save you from your sin and acknowledging Him as Lord of all. And if you've never done that, this is your opportunity. This is your, your moment to be connected to the vine, be connected to Jesus. And listen, anyone who's in Christ, He will never let them go. He'll never allow you to be thrown away. He'll have you forever. And that means eternity with Him rather than eternity in hell. And so you come to Him today. Pray this prayer. Mean it with all your heart. It's a simple prayer. It's just you're turning to Christ. Turning away from sin and turning to Jesus. Pray the prayer with me in your heart. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I've done things I, I know are wrong and I've failed to do things that I know that are right and are what you would have me to do. But Jesus, I repent of my sin and I turn to you. I believe that you lived a sinless life and you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that on the third day you were raised again and you're alive today. And so, Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Forgive me of my sin. I put my faith in you. Jesus, thank you for my salvation. I'll spend the rest of my life living and serving you in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? This is our time of invitation. And if you prayed that prayer in your heart, you meant it with all of your heart, then share that with us. Come and let us know what Jesus has done for you in saving your soul. We want to encourage you, pray for you, give you resources to help you grow and offer you believer's baptism. So you come. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus has done. If you need prayer, you come. And if you want to join this church, you come.
This is your invitation as well. Let us sing together.